Hey, you're about to listen to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Hi, I'm Spike. Mike, it's me. For the first 45 minutes or so, we have a spirited uh, discussion about uh, our reaction to the election. Know that um, we do talk about the Sixers afterwards, but we do believe in um, in talking about those things because it was such a big thing this year, and we share so much of our lives with you, and a lot of it is important to us. Um, if it's important to you, we appreciate that too. So, um, And know that we do um, – Everything we do fine talk about the, the Sixers. Yep, and we're fine at the end. Look here, we're still we're recording this afterwards, and here we are. Um, but the fact that MB talked about the election on Woj's podcast gives us yes. free reign to talk about it. So we weren't going to do it till he did that. Any stick to sportsers can please fuck off or fast forward to the, for, to like forty six minutes. Yes, but also fuck off. Right. <laughs> or both. Or both. You could do both. Um, all right. Here's the podcast. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Uh, 19 of them now. A 707 Walnut and Philly and always at LLPavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin along with Liberty Ballers' own, sort of Liberty Ballers' own, every once in a while Liberty Ballers' own, Mike Levin. Morning, Mike. What's up, buddy? Well, I uh, got one win this week. <laughs> maybe maybe not all of the important ones, but I uh, got a basketball one this week. Yeah. If you uh we're going to talk about the election. If you uh are listening to this and you don't want to hear about the election, uh tough shit. Yeah, but but I w- we will talk about the Sixers after the election. So, I mean, correct, we're not going to talk about the election yeah. for 45 minutes, right? So, um you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear about the election. That's fine. It's. I feel like um, we are – because we've been doing this for so long and people who listen know so much about us personally and we know so much about so many of you. And as I mentioned to Mike yesterday, we asked you to vote um, many times too. So I think it makes sense to uh, to at least acknowledge it and talk about what happened and then we will talk about the Sixers. So if you don't want to hear what we think about the election, then you can certainly fast forward. But um, if you do, and I imagine some of you do, um, we'll talk about that. So, but, but before, but as you're fast forwarding, I'm yeah. trying to stop people from fast forwarding. But the well, not that we are the guys that people need to listen to on this. Uh, we're just uh, your run-of-the-mill, semi-educated people. Uh, but you should give a shit about politics. It, it, it's going to be your country regardless of how old you are it's your country and you should care about what happens to it because it affects you and it affects the people you love and the people that you care about and if you just sort of tune out it's it it might not be the most exciting thing in the world it's easier to just care about sports and, and forget the rest but i i strongly urge you to give a shit uh because you will at some point and now is a good time to start as any. 
Yeah, I, I would say that it doesn't mean that you have to. To your point, it doesn't mean that you have to give a shit what uh, what you what Mike or I have certainly to say. not certainly that, not. Yes. And and if you, it is certainly fair. It is certainly fair if you care what we think. But it is certainly fair if you care to hear us be stupid about basketball and you don't give a shit what we particularly think about it. But I will tell you, it the older you get, the uh, I'm forty now. The more that you think about when you when you think about. Kids, you know, when you think about having kids or you think about uh, the future of the country or you think about, you know, it's funny when I was younger, uh, the issue of taxes like like a lot of things didn't matter to me because they didn't they, they affect you less, I think, or knowingly less when you're younger than you are when you're older. And yeah. uh, and you think about the future and you think about, you know, I, I think kids, kids and retirement were the two things that made me care a little bit more. And it's been interesting. I've been with my wife. We've only been married two years, but we've been together for seven, and she's 32. So I've watched her go from um, mid-20s not giving a shit at all to in her 30s and married and caring a lot more. So it's been interesting to watch that happen to somebody else. But uh, but yes, to your point, you should – you should care. And it, I, and by the way, uh, caring doesn't mean agreeing also. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with Mike or I on anything. It just means that you have to that, – that caring about it is important. It's been a really shitty week. Um, I watched the Sixers game last night, but uh, I didn't really participate in any um, other basketball watching the, in the previous couple of days. It's just – it's so it feels so useless. I know you told me that we have to do this podcast because – People look to us as an escape, and I uh, hopefully uh, agree with that. I like I like doing it; it's fun. But it's so in light of it's it just seems like nothing else matters other than what happened on Tuesday. Well, and uh, oh. and I it's it um I I don't I have a lot to say and also nothing to say, but um. I agree that we need to try to keep living our lives. Everybody does their thing and and not just get derailed and, and lay in bed and be sad. But uh, I think also if you're upset about the results of this election, then you need to act. You need to go volunteer, uh, donate either your time or your money to organizations that will – uh, help the people that are most affected by what his uh, his winning the election and becoming president will do. Well, we don't know what it will do. I mean, I mean, just to and and I guess what I would say too is if if you if we are to pay attention of every um, of all of the things going on in the world every day, uh, then basketball in general will seem pointless every day. You know, like I, I think that um, I'm not I'm just talking. I'm not like this is I'm certainly not um, trying to be contentious at all. But I think that, you know, um, every time that like there are so many awful uh, human rights violations in the world every day that would make that if, if we studied all of them individually or even as a group would make our everyday lives seem um, seem. Uh, pale in comparison and importance. Certainly, the silly things we talk about: uh, entertainment, basketball, all of those things. Of course, so, yeah. So, but, so, I, but, but, the, but I, I don't want to make it seem like I mean to 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 um, 
I, I think it. I think the election, uh, and I think why what happened uh, happened is is a um, is a multi. It's very easy to say like. Well, everybody's racist and they voted for Donald Trump because they're racist and he's racist too and that's why it happened and what are we going to do about this? It's a very simple thing to say but really is has very little to do with what happened, I think. I I don't I you know, I think the number of people who um are like, well, he's racist and I love racism, so I'm going to vote for him or he's misogynist and I love misogyny, so I'm going to vote for him. I don't I don't think that's like really what happened. So But but regardless of that, and we shouldn't spend too much time talking about why things happened because we are not political analysts uh, and why the numbers were wrong, whatever. But regardless of whether or not people voted him, voted for him because of his racist rhetoric and because of the fact that he has sexually harassed uh, many women, they've come forward saying he's either assaulted them or harassed them. And we, there's uh, decades of uh, video evidence of him uh, either being racist or sexist on television and either via getting sued by the Justice, Justice Department for discriminating against African Americans uh, for uh, housing. Uh, people voted for him in spite of that. So they, they excused all of that <laughs> behavior. And, uh, and, and that's, I think, just as bad well, but for me. I, I, don't, I don't – and I can understand why that's as bad for you, but I don't think – I, I like I, I just don't think it's a one to one relationship. I think um look, there are a lot of people in this country who vote like I'm uh I, I don't want to get into abortion as a as like a discussion, right? But there are a lot of people who are who who are 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 it's very important to them to be pro life, right? And if I were pro life, which I'm not, but if I were um, if I were that, and I felt that all abortion was was murdering children, right? If I felt that way, then there would be very little in the world that would make me think differently about how I voted. I would I would find it hard to believe that I would be able to do anything but prevent that from happening. And I think there's a lot of people who do that, and there's a lot of people who sort of like, um, you know, th- there are. I mean, and just looking at the history of the country. Like when things go one way, one of the two ways, you know, Democrat or Republican for too long, um, like basically the country is split like 50-50 in how they vote. And most people just vote that way anyway. And there are, are, are very like sh- – there are shifts when when people are unhappy because it's it's less about who they're voting for and more of, about that they – that things aren't going well for them. And if they see – a continuation of the way things are going, then they they will see them conti- con- to continue to not go for well for them, and that's basically what they what they vote on is like I'm not happy, like my life isn't good enough. I'm not, you know, my <clears throat> the economy sucks for me, and uh, I can get I, I can't guarantee that if I change it, it will be, um, you know, it'll be different. But to, but but I, to me, regardless of that, and I I agree. I hear I hear people who are. Uh, vehemently pro-life and and want to vote for a pro-life candidate, even though he was pro-choice for his whole career until until he uh, decided to run for president and and dupe Republicans into voting for him. Uh, In spite of the fact that this is the one issue, except for if if you believe so much in your faith, that's absolutely fine. But But to ignore how horrible he's been to so many people and not 
paid people, not treated people kindly. To me, if 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 we're talking about faith, the the most important tenet of that should be how you treat other people. And he, his whole life, has treated people horribly. And that, to me, is more indicative of the kind of man he is than what policy positions he whips back and forth on. And 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 I have so many things to say, and I, I we could talk about this for six hours, and I could just get more and more sad. But but the the what's what what's going on right now is the discussion of like what <laughs> the the very useless discussion of was he racist, and the people that voted for him generally say no. I think they I think there are a few racists that that would say. Hey, I identify as a racist. So that argument is just going to be in the talking headness of all, all of the television news stations, of just panels of people arguing at each other. People have to. There's a lot of black men and women having to say, having to answer to white guys who say, "What, what did he say that was racist?" And it, that's such an offensive thing <laughs> to ask of someone after he ran a. a an entirely race baiting campaign and you can see that with how much racist rhetoric is now out there in the world hate crimes are way up the kkk is now extremely coming out there's a rally for his victory in north carolina wait a minute wait a minute people, oh, hold, hold people in hate hate crimes are up from but hate crimes were up w- with a uh, an african american president right like like but they've certainly been up the last few weeks as things have gotten closer to the election and now as he's won the election how, it, do, how do we know they're up how do we because know there's are up? because people because people are reporting it people are reporting that they're happening right but like there are hate crimes like how many times do you think a a a swastika like, like we, we have to i i just want to deal in like reality and the way the country is how many times do you think a swastika is spray painted on a window in america every day i would but, guess but hundreds in, of in, times right in, and at like nyu and penn at places that aren't traditionally seen as hotbeds for racist activity how would we has- know how would we know like like there were there were swastikas uh, on in, in like i grew up in a nice suburban neighborhood and like there were bl- there were black people like i every time a black family would move into that neighborhood that black family would not be there after a couple of years because of the way the people in that area were like that was not reported anywhere and there are swastikas and racism and it is every day like of course but if you're arguing that he hasn't no that's not what i'm arguing that's not what what i'm arguing it is because it's gotten worse no no, but you don't know that it's gotten worse there's yes i do no you don't i'm reading people you have to listen to people they've it's gotten worse in venice i live in venice which is a very liberal democratic area and someone is walking down the street an asian american woman walking down the street and she gets sprayed by a hose and told to go back to china that doesn't that hasn't happened that doesn't happen how do you know because the people are saying it. I'm listening to them. Right, because they're, they're saying, "Hey, this is got it. this is getting worse." No, the human beings. No, no the human Mike. beings that are that are they are saying, "I am encountering more racism and sexism and xenophobia in the last few weeks now that this is a reality." Okay, that's what they're saying. 
It, who is saying, Mike? Who? Women and African Americans and Asian Americans and right. Mexican Americans. So, so you are in touch with how many African Americans and Asian Americans that are telling you, like, in a country that is I only. I don't understand that what, is, the, what the point you're trying to make what, is. What Tell I'm, me what the point no, you're trying to make. The, the point that, that I'm trying to make is that, like, the, the guy is not king, right? And the guy is not like like the the electorate is exactly the same, if not more minority based than it was eight years ago and forty years ago when we elected Barack Obama president. The electorate is the same group of people. It is the same people. There is a very small sway, like in terms of of how many people vote. Like really, all that happened. We we, we can look at this election and say that it is a signal of change one way or the other toward racism, away from racism so on and so forth, all that happened was that fewer people, fewer Democrats voted for the Democrat than, than four years ago and eight years ago. That's what happened because Donald Trump had fewer Republican votes than Mitt Romney had and fewer Republican votes than John McCain had. And that's what happened. And people, it is the same group of people. He's not king. He can't come out and make sexual assault legal. He can't just come out and repeal Roe v. Wade. He cannot, he can't even just come out and repeal Obamacare. Like there is a lot of, like the people would, in this country I, 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 control the tone of the of of this country. And we had, you know, we like to think that electing a president changes something. We wanted to think that electing Barack Obama changes something. We all congratulated ourselves. And I voted for Barack Obama twice, and I voted for Hillary Clinton, right? Like, we all congratulated ourselves. Look at how much we've changed. Look at how much we've changed. And we, and we haven't. We but, didn't. Right. It's the same electorate. It's the same group so, of people. So, I, so again, just, I don't understand the point that you're making. So right now, there are like, people that are scared for their lives. So just there are people like, that are scared for their lives. There are their people that were lives. scared for their lives a month but ago. It's Mike. obviously worse now. No, it is not obviously worse. It is being oh, covered oh more. God. It is oh being covered more. Mike, it, just like it wasn't obviously better the day after we elected Barack Obama, it is not obviously worse the day after we, we elected Donald Trump. It's, we didn't. We all patted ourselves on the back about how about how far we had come because we elected Barack Obama, and we, and we were wrong. Right, because all that happened was is that people were unsatisfied with the way the country was being run, so they voted for something different, but, which but is exactly what happened people. here. Stop talking to people. Let's talk about the reality right now. He is president. He has a Republican Senate. He has a Republican Congress. He's going to. He's going to appoint a Republican Supreme Court justice. He will have a the full You just weight. told me. You just got done telling me all he's done is be liberal for his whole life. So what But now but he's won the presidency right on the backs of promoting racism and sexism and xenophobia. So he's going to keep doing that because he doesn't care about anything other than people liking him but and Republicans Republicans power. How does a Republican Supreme Court judge mean that that judge is racist? Like I'm not, I'm not talking about racism. I'm saying that the the his base the people that voted for him and the people that he will be appointing to these positions whether it's people that worked for Breitbart or the people that Rudy Giuliani or Newt Gingrich all people that have been excusing his racism and sexism and xenophobia for this whole campaign will now be in charge of dictating policy and what happens to the country and people are scared you can't say as a middle-aged white man that People aren't scared. I didn't People say are that. More scared I now. never said that. I, I, and what we I've have to said listen was, to them, and that's that's the whole thing is that you just have to listen to people and try to understand where they're coming from. But you don't. So listen. even though things will be even though things will be okay for you and me, because 
we're straight and white and things generally go fine for us. For other people, they're terrified. Let this is, a, this is a horrifying situation for I, a lot I'm, of people. I'm not saying that that is not true. What I'm saying is, is that there are plenty of you thinking that every white male in this country lives some kind of charm. Like, like you, I don't, do you know like anything about the country between, I would say Philadelphia and Los Angeles? Like how much of that, that part of the country have you been through? Like it, you, you drive through Pennsylvania. I'm not saying that Donald Trump will fix this, right? Like that, that is not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that like that these people that that people voted correctly or incorrectly. What I'm saying is, is that like people's lives over the last 10 years, middle class people who have lost jobs because manufacturing jobs are gone, their lives suck. Poor people, their lives suck. People whose whose lives depended on on uh, industry and uh, and and uh, factories and that kind of shit that is either no longer necessary because of computers or no longer happening here. Like their their lives are are bad too. And just to say that, like a because you're white and because you're male, that your life is. Like that, you do not have um, challenges, and that you're that everything is hunky dory is not true. And what happened was is that those people voted based on their a lot of those people voted based on their own lives being worse. And I understand what you're saying. Like I understand, and I agree. I did not vote for Donald Trump, but I again, I don't. I like I I don't think the result of this. I think there's a big difference between how things feel now and how they will actually be, right? And your your point about doing something about it and learning is very important because that's what what people should do is um and uh, to be honest with you, I'm not totally convinced that that he will work in uh in uh in line with a Republican Congress and a Republican Senate because that's never been, you know, he is a rich white New Yorker. And that is a generally like a pretty uh, socially liberal group of people. Um, he is married to an immigrant. Like, I, I don't I, I don't know what he's going to do. I have no idea. I don't even know if he'll be like, um, interested in being president. Like, I don't know how much of this he'll actually do. I have to imagine this is one of those things where like, you try to get the job, and then you get the job, and then you look at what you have to do, and you're you're not even interested in it. So I feel horrible for anyone who is Muslim or Latino. Like, I'm confused by the 35% of the Latino electorate who voted for Donald Trump, by the way. That's not, that's not a... Uh... People are contesting that those numbers are correct. Okay, so what if it's 25%? Like, and what if it's 20%? It's still crazy, right? I mean, or even the number of women who voted for Donald Trump, uh, like if you take the total group of women, like it basically comes down to, um, you know, it, it comes down to a lot of people vote on party lines and a lot, but I, I think... <laughs> That the, the I, I feel horrible for I would imagine anyone who is Muslim feels like that the country um, uh, spat in their face. I would feel that um, I would have felt that most people who are Latino, but it like I imagine a large percentage of them felt that way. And a lot of women felt that way, too. But a lot of women and a lot of Latinos decided that um, regardless of what he had done in his past, that their lives weren't up to the, the standard that that they had hoped for and that they would excuse that for a change. And that, or, that or, is something or that's they, interesting. The, the, the more people voted uh, – when they voted for him, they were voting against her than 
people who voted for her voting against him. People voted for her because they wanted to vote for her. And they voted for him because they didn't want to vote for her. I think uh, sexism is an incredibly, uh, I want to say pernicious, but I'm, I don't even know if that's the right word. It, it, it is pervasive all over our society, even among women. And most, yeah, especially most- in, in the media in terms of, of how they of how they normalized a lot of the things he said and, and normalized the kind of candidate he was. Um, first of all, not knowing anything about anything. Uh, he's never, he's the only president to have never served any time in government or the military. He has zero experience or knowledge of, of really anything of how, of how it works. Uh, and that was very clear if you watched the debates or if you just watched him talk. Uh, where, but they didn't cover that. They covered uh, – the media didn't cover that. They covered her, her emails. No, the media covered that plenty. And, and the media- they normalized him and they criminalized her for, for things that really at the end of the day are, are very, very small because they wanted to cover a horse race. And they wanted to cover, uh, make it seem, and wanted to get ratings is what they wanted to do. And and they brought on people to their CNN panels and whatever to to like argue for him. They brought on his former campaign manager, and and made it seem as if hey, these two candidates are equally bad. Here are two candidates that one of them is uh, a reality star asshole, sure, and one of them is uh, a corrupt lifetime pol- politician. And they're both bad, and you could vote for either one of them, and it doesn't matter. Uh, but the fact is, one one of them has spent their entire lives trying to help people, and one of them has has never helped anybody in his life, and doesn't know and isn't qualified to do anything at all. And and Republicans came out like he was a regular candidate, which is fine; they have every right to do that. But the the both sidesness of of the media, this this uh, the bias to to everything has to seem fair when these candidates are not equally anything at all is a false equivalence and it kept Democrats and independents home on election day uh, because the narrative was they're equally bad and that, that makes me like very nauseous. I, that, that that is the case. I agree that the media covered it that way, but I don't agree that that is why that Democrat for you to say that Democrats voted for her because they wanted her, but Republicans voted for Donald Trump because they didn't like her. I think that was is, the ex- that's what the exit poll said. That's what the exit poll said. Well, no, but the exit, but but she is one of the. If he is the least, if he had the least positive, um, positive. Uh, if people had the least positive view of him of any presidential candidate, she had to be the second ever. Like people, people like she has not resonated with people. Like I, I think if you're looking for someone to blame on this, like blaming that the 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 Democratic Party for ignoring the fact that she did not resonate, um, I think is 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 people were mad. People, people were mad, and, well, but and she's regardless never, of whether regardless of whether people b- believe in the policies of of Bernie Sanders, people were 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 enthused by how angry he was at the system, and then that this became an uh, from him and from Trump an angry an anger at the system election, and she was seen as the establishment and seen as 
uh, uh, well, she having is. come up with the system. Yeah, but I mean, but she's she also like, but she also from the nineties like was was too liberal for for being the first lady, and and had to and had to suffer through a ton of attacks for for decades about the kind of person she is and how how to like get in line and just be a first lady and okay you shouldn't be senator okay well now you're secretary of state and it's just, she's had to absorb so much shit over the years i'm not arguing that she's not an establishment candidate because she's been around forever but she's also been around fighting fucking assholes telling her to like get in line and not be uh as politically active as she is and to say that she and to not be inspired by that I think is is not seeing the full picture. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I, I don't I, like. I, I think the biggest problem is that people have never really liked her that much. I mean, I, I don't think that she is. I, I think there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of what you're saying is right. I mean, the, the message from Donald Trump and the message from Bernie Sanders was the same: is that like your life is not good enough and it's not your fault. Um, and they blame different people, but essentially it was um, resonating that people weren't happy. Now, the one thing that that, that 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 says is is that it says that that by and large the country is not happy with where we are, and um, and the fact that she represented very little change from where we are, I think, was problematic. It it made it tough on her, right? To um, to in some way because um, she needed the people who voted for Barack Obama to vote for her. Um, but then she needed to find a way to say that she was going to be different. And that's, that was impossible, I think. But I, what? you know, yeah. but, but the fact that she lost to, I mean, like when you say it out loud, that she lost to um, a young African-American, uh, uh, when she lost to Barack Obama in the primary and then lost to Donald Trump, like, I think it's, it's pretty. It's it's been pretty clear for the last ten years that as much public service as she's done, and as quali- quote unquote qualified as she was, that there was something that either didn't resonate about her. Um, because the biggest problem is that you can blame the media for not for for suppressing for for convincing Democrats not to go vote, but ultimately it's their choice. I mean, ultimately. If if she was inspiring and they felt of course, like she would be a good leader, then then they would go vote for her, and they didn't. But people generally don't like. I care. I've been paying attention to this election for the last year and a half. I've cared about it, but most people don't. Most people just sort of like tune in and they say, "Okay, what do we got? All right, he's a loudmouth, tells it like it is, asshole, and she uh, is a corrupt emails person that doesn't seem that fun." All right, like I think it's a lot of people that like tune in at the last minute, which is fine. They they have every right to, but. It, it's it should be the media's job to to convey the truth and the facts to people and give them the full story and, and help educate people on what is actually happening and I, and I I really don't think that mainstream media did even close to a good job of that over this election cycle but what what upsets me the most is and and to sort of bring this back to the sixers just because uh, this is a sixers podcast and, and our opinions don't matter um, there, there's so much. There, there is a tie that you can make to uh, Trump, Hillary, and Hinky Colangelo. And <laughs> to me, you can. I think you can. I think it's it's this idea of uh, anti-intellectual, um, anti-intellectual. Just it, do, it doesn't matter what the facts are. It matters what you feel. And the fact that Sam Hinky spent. Uh, Three years 
accruing a lot of picks and, and getting getting the situation right. And you can you can have the conversation with people being like, hey, let me explain to you like why this 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 why 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 now we have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all of these people that is exciting and it's because of Hanky. And yes, it was you know you had to go through the you had to, you had to fight and sometimes it it take it's hard, but uh, it, it's it's in the best interest of the team and. And it's in the best interest of, of then the country to switch to the other side, uh, to to try to help other people and 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 listen to other people and uh, keep the doors open of just of uh, openness and acceptance and, and tolerance and and to me it it seemed so it seemed so clear that people weren't for the most part interested in that it was it was uh, just. It, it's it was a lot of narrative it was a lot of narrative bullshit that that got hinky fired and kept hillary out of the white house that is that is my uh broadest it, obviously those two things are not equal in terms of how, how much they matter but for the sake of this podcast that is my broad view of of what the state of the media and the country is in terms of where you get your news and and who you're talking to and what you're reading the idea that it doesn't matter what the actual facts are people are reading the headlines and and it's it's okay to be ill-informed if it's the way that if it's the way that you feel is what matters and and I, I that upsets me uh very much because facts should not be a partisan issue um I would say that the only thing I would be careful of to that is there is a general theme amongst and if we're if we're drawing the parallel between um, uh, the hinky people, where as we look at everyone who doesn't agree with the way that we feel as being stupid, as like the reason they don't agree is because they haven't thought about it enough. And it um, it made people hate us more. Right. And it made people not want to listen to what we said. And this coming from a uh, registered Democrat who has voted for every Democratic candidate in his voting life is that um, there is a theme, and this this happens both online and in real life with uh, with with Democrats and liberal people that if you do not vote with us, if you do not feel the same way that we do, it is because you you're just not you haven't taken the, the time to think about it and that that like that our way is the right way and if you just actually were smart for once you would listen and that is part of why in amazingly what's amazing is that when i was growing up the republican party was not like a populist party it was a yeah. rich white blah 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 but amazingly it has drifted into like all i hear from uh liberal people is like the liberal people seem like the rich white people to me telling everybody else how stupid they are and i would be careful in that i think both sides i think um, both sides have become a little tone deaf to the other side and there's very little listening that goes on and to say that i i think it is dangerous though while while i while i think a lot of what you say is true in terms of like they voted that way because they're doing it with their heart and not their head. You know, I, I think you could say the same from both sides. And I, I think um, I think very few people on either side actually 
listens and um, I think they vote on a few key issues and most of them like the number one is how is my life and maybe there's a second issue and uh, if you're lucky maybe there's a third but I, I, I would I would warn um, I would warn that they like I honestly like I, sometimes I'm embarrassed being a Democrat the way that like Democrat people and liberal people talk about the world and it, it's a i think there's but a, I think I, it's 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 tough because people say that like okay clearly we all live in a bubble if you're if you're democrat and people clearly that we're sheltered and we don't really know what real america is and so if real america is a town of only white people where they don't meet other ethnicities or other uh faith or anything else then wh- why are we the ones that are sheltered i live in la you live in philadelphia where very diverse places with different diverse backgrounds and diverse ways of thinking and you interact with people of different color and different sexual persuasion and all sorts of things why are we the ones that need to get out of the bubble and the people that only stay in their hometowns and don't interact with those kinds of people and are afraid of the people that they don't no, but and but you are. Too, but but I would say both sides are. What I'm saying is that those people in Middle America, or let's say rural Pennsylvania, who are who are generally uh, um, like uh, I, I want to use the right words. Like I I don't want to say that they don't like people of other races or don't like gay people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're they don't interact with them on a regular basis and they like it how they are where they are and uh, they don't make an effort to see that side because that's not the life that they live. Well, I would say that it's fair to think it's amazing. Like when you look at the um, like uh, so much of the Democratic and liberal voting comes from. Uh, big city centers in the Northeast and the West Coast, and that most of the country is not that. You know, that the population is so intense in those places, and that's where those votes come from, that I would say that people like you or I spend very little time living the life of those other people and know what their lives are like. And I I think um, understanding, it, it's it's mostly like a lot of this is is belief and vote shaming. I think a lot of it is on both sides is how dare you – like, how dare you vote for Hillary Clinton? She's corrupt. How dare you vote for Donald Trump? He's uh, a misogynist. And most of it, like, there's very little discourse in in any place. I mean, you talk about yes. the media, but I don't think there's any discourse anywhere. Um, you know. But I think, yeah, I, th- I just think, I, I, I think you are right in that people should talk to people and try to listen and understand where they're coming from. But you can vote for... Hillary and disagree with some of her policies. You can say, okay, well, this is the best candidate of the of the two. You can say that I don't, I don't, I'm not inspired by her not lack of change issue. Even though that she would be the first female president, and that wasn't covered nearly enough in terms of how big of a deal that would be to the country and to uh, millions of women in America and around the world, and millions of women yet to be born. Um, you can you can disagree with that kind of stuff, but you can't simply say I'm going to vote for him and I'm not going to think about the fact that he has been accused of sexual assault and ran a fake university and, and tricked people and, and didn't pay a ton of his uh, architects and people that worked for him over the years. And, and he came into Atlantic City and like fucking burned it to the ground and left and it's in shambles. And you can you can't ignore all of the bad things that he's done over the course of his life and the, the people that he's alienated and the campaign that he's run without, without lacking empathy. You, have, you, have, you can't 
if you vote for if you vote for him, you are thinking about yourself, which I get it. I get it. I get that you want that if people's lives are hard and bad and they and they and they feel like the last eight years didn't help them at all, even though the country went in the right direction after the recession. I get it that you just want to be like, well, fuck the fuck the establishment. I'm going to vote for the the new guy who's going to fuck some shit up. But you have to look yourself in the mirror and and say like, okay, if I wasn't if predominantly his 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 the people that voted for him were were white by a lot. If I'm if I wasn't this if I wasn't straight or if I wasn't if I was Muslim or if I was whatever, would I vote for him? And if it, and if you say no, then it's like it seems to me like the most important thing we have to have in our society is empathy and and understanding of each other and understanding where people are coming from. And I think so many people decided that they didn't have that or didn't care about that. And and that to me is what upsets me the most uh, in this election, that, that people only thought about themselves and didn't think about how how just the daily struggle of living as uh, a Muslim in America or an LGBT youth in America, all, all of the things that are, that is hard, and, and and the fact that his presidency can and very very likely will make things worse for these people, and that that's just it, it, it's very upsetting that 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 is the country that we live in. Even though most of her, even though she won the popular vote overwhelmingly, it's it's still upsetting to me that that he'll be uh, president of of all the people that he has alienated and 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 drummed up um more violence towards that's i i i I think the the violence and the 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 people that you hear like on both sides the the loudest people are the are the the smallest group of people i think most people that voted for him are actually just people who vote republican and they go in and they vote republican and they hit the one button and it hits but they also they also normalized the kind of candidate and the kind of person he is without any career in public service and without any i I think uh, you i think you demonstrable knowledge of 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 what actually governing is, and sure. I think they normalized all of that. Sure, but I, I think you also probably um, don't give enough credence to like, like her, her, her flaws are I think a little more um, uh, pronounced, and uh, uh, the, they're more. See, the difference with her flaws is that they are the flaws that we assume that all politicians have, right? Like we assume all politicians are corrupt and take money from lobbyists and um, and are on the side of Wall Street and all of those things. That's the way that we assume that politicians are. I, I honestly, um, you know, the, the people that, there's been we talk about I was talking about like vote shaming there's been a lot of like people who have shamed the people who voted for Gary Johnson or didn't vote yeah. at all because they didn't and i I think that's wrong I think there's a certain um if you vote for one of the candidates I think it's it's fair in a world to say that you are complicit in in the choice and I think um you know i I don't think a lot of people didn't vote because they were protesting I think a lot of people didn't vote because they were lazy or un- uninspired uh, i think uninspired they did they didn't yeah. care. Yeah, they didn't I, care. I, but I think that the people who voted, if if you do not find either of those choices um, suitable for you, uh, if we're going to say that a vote is is your expression of who you feel should lead the country and how you feel, how happy you are, and blah blah blah, happy happy you are with the choices you have, I think um, I, I I just I think it I think that the bright side of this 
is it should be that um, the empathy that you talk about, I think, I think that's where we have to start. I don't, I don't want to start at you voted for X. You must think why, you know, yes, I, it's, it's I, I hard. Think. It's hard to be there. It's, it's, we're still recovering. I'm still very mad about it. Um, it, and I, I try not to just, I think we should all try not to just be mad at those people, but, but it's also hard to just, to just say like, well, you know, blank slate, uh, we don't, it, it's, it, it'd be ignoring all of the racist rhetoric and sexist rhetoric that he's drummed up in the country. Uh, to just say like, okay, let's see what this guy does. You know, let's wait and see. Like, it's he has clearly inspired um, and ran the most hateful campaign of modern history. And uh, I, I, I think to just sit back and be like, all right, president, let's see what you got. Is uh, is would be neglecting all of the people who are who he has, whose lives, whose daily lives he has hurt just by the stuff that he said. Yeah, and but I, also I, I, we don't we don't have much of a choice. I mean, we uh, well, no, you can yeah. you can act, you can you can protest, you can volunteer, and you can go out and try to help people. I I think that that I think that's what people should do if they if you care about something, and don't just sit back and whine because things didn't go your way. Go take action and try to help the people that will be most directly affected by the way it seems the country will go in the next four years. Well, I think you should – well, I, again, I, I don't know which way the country will go for the next four years. But I think if you – if I think if you feel like Muslims in America were getting a shit deal a month ago, which they probably were, um, if you feel like women weren't getting paid for equal work, which they're not, and if you felt like African Americans were getting a shit deal in this country with, with police and uh, a lot, in a lot of different situations a month ago or two months ago or six months ago, which they were, I feel like you should work to make those things better. Um, I, I think yeah. that, but I think that opportunity was there, was there um, a month ago and two months ago and three months ago and six months ago. And it, it shouldn't be an act of defiance. It should be an act of, uh, I think it should be an act of, if that's, if that's what you're living your life for, if that's the most important thing to do, then go do it. Um, I, you but know, it should be I, both because you should be defying his campaign, which was ran on xenophobia. Okay. And and exclusion and denying people rights. That is that is what the, the campaign was about. He's going to try to take away people's women's right to choose. There there was a not that he drummed this up, but his supporters started a, uh, a hashtag a few weeks ago that trying to repeal women's right to vote. And it's it's not him all the time, but he has drummed up this in people and galvanized them. And you should be volunteering because you care about it, but also in protest of the things he said over the year and a half of his campaign. I, I guess, I guess uh, the way that I see the world is that I, the, the campaign was shitty, the, not his, but the campaign in general, both like, and I, you didn't get to deal with the, uh, because you don't live around here, but you didn't get to deal with the, uh, Katie McGinty, Pat Toomey, um, uh, local war, which was every bit as shitty, just more localized. Um, we just we heard about it more here because this that's where the vote was. I I thought that the but but as far as like hate in America, I, hate in America was was awful a while ago. Like I don't I he I, I don't know I it was there. I I, I don't think. Um, 
I I personally don't see like, I see more Twitter avatars that had like poor fucking Peppy the Frog, but um like I see more Twitter um that that's been drummed up, but I don't think in a month I would hope in a month that goes away. I would I I hope that the campaign stuff goes away, and I hope that um that people use this election and use this time as a time for uh for uh understanding and um and I hope. Somehow, some way, and I imagine it will. Somehow, some way, it we all wind up in a better place for it, and that's what I'm hoping. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry I don't fully agree with everything that you said, Mike. I, you know, that's, like, no, that's that's fine. I just think that uh, to say that to say that this is just a normal loss, and uh, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's not I think what I said, but that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Well, I just, like you, you, you're like you, you can't just. This is what I was talking about with with the like there are too many times when people on both sides, but I am talking about my side because my side makes me feel like shit sometimes uh my side meaning uh like I am a a generally a very liberal person, but if I do not fall in line with every single um every single thought that a uh that a, a liberal person has, then I'm some sort of like fucking idiot or traitor. And I think that's crazy. Like, I don't, um, I just disagree that we shouldn't listen to the things he said over the course of his campaign and take him at his word. But I didn't say, okay, say these are the that. Things that he believed. But I didn't say that. You, you said, you said that his history was different than what he, that his beliefs prior to the campaign were different than what he said during the campaign. That's what you said. I didn't say that. I don't know how he's going to govern. I have no idea. I have, I, like, I don't expect he'll go one way or the other. I, I, if we have, we have, uh, you know, 35 years of Donald or 30 years of Donald Trump history, and it's all very strange like it's all different i i have no idea what his actual beliefs are zero i have none i have no idea i have I like i know that he's an egomaniac and he's uh selfish and likes money which would probably put him in a class with um a very large number of um of politicians i would imagine um, I, I can't imagine anyone that would want that job that isn't doing it for some sort of ego play but i i don't know what he's going to do i i don't know i i almost um God, if if uh, personally, I'd I, I'll take my chances with him over like Ted Cruz. I would know exactly what Ted Cruz would have done, you know, um, or any of the uh, establishment far right leaning Republicans. Like somebody like that with a Republican um, House and a Senate would be unstoppable. I like I don't have any idea what Donald Trump's going to do. So, uh, and I'm not ignoring the campaign. I didn't vote for him. I I urged other people not to vote for him, you know. But it, I'm just sort of this is the world that we have now and i'm i'm hoping that it that everything that happened ends ends up with us in a better place because of it that's all yeah and of course so do i but i'm not optimistic in that and i think that if you're not optimistic then people should you should act and volunteer and and try to help people that you feel will be affected okay that's all i'm saying right and i think we're all affected you know i i think we're i think there are there are some more than others but we're we're all i think we're all affected by this, it was you know it was a crazy election. I've I've never, um, I've never uh, like I don't remember an election um, occupying as much mental space for everyone as this one has over in my lifetime. I don't think you know more even more yeah. than the Obama McCain election. I think so. Um, yeah, the Sixers won last night. 
They did. <laughs> Can I, I, I tell you, um, one of the things I noticed watching the game was um, how, uh, man, if you're a Pacers fan, how bummed do you have to be that you have Paul George, um, you, you drafted Miles Turner. What, did he get drafted, what, 10th or 11th, something like that, around there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had to be enthused about that pick. You went and you got Jeff Teague, um, and they are they are one of the most lifeless, directionless basketball teams I've seen in the NBA in a while. Um, man, I like I, I I don't see that working out. And I you have Paul George looked miserable. The entire team looks miserable. Um, but it was nice to see them win the exact same way that they've lost the last three games that they've lost to pull it out in going to overtime, failing at the end of regulation, going to overtime, forcing the game to Joel Embiid, but somehow coming out on the right end of it. Yeah, I thought that he wasn't going to. Uh, I thought Joel was going to sit overtime. I saw they like yeah. they saw they like, zoomed in on his face on the bench, and like Rashawn was starting, and it was like. Oh man, they're gonna keep him out, and they brought him in. It was a very like hero moment. It was nice. Yeah. Um, well, and he had one. Gl- he was at like twenty three fifty, I think, at the end of regulation in terms of playing time. So um, they had to go over the limit to have him play in in overtime too, which was great. Yeah, he uh, no, it was nice. It was nice to get a win. I think the, I I like what the Pacers are doing. The coach is is whatever. I think they're gonna ruin Paul George. Hopefully, they try to trade him. Maybe we take him. I would take Paul George any day. I would take Paul uh, George. But uh, I like. The, I mean, they're they're gonna be a fine team. They'll probably be like a seven seed or something. I hope Thad's happy. Those are that. Thad looks weird with his 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 hair. I mean, he's he's not cool. Like <laughs> I love Thad, but like he's intensely uncool. He's so normal guy, and uh, and seeing him try to be cool is 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 funny. I love him though. He's yeah. great. I'm, I hope he's happy and. Uh, his his jump shot looks nice. A couple times he stepped into a jumper, he looked like a real player. Good for him. Doug Collins like, tried to suck the jumper out of him, but he got it back. I'm glad. Yeah, he is not cool. It, uh, that that is a an apt. Um, and I actually I think there's a good chance they don't make the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe something could change with them. But it was a, a strange selection for coach, and they don't. I watch them and I can't figure out what they're supposed to be doing. The only thing that and you I've said before on the podcast that I. I love um, Monte Ellis for – I understand his flaws, but I love him anyway. But it seems like he's going to have a third act of his career as the backup point guard. He's less out of control than he used to be. He isn't a guy that I thought would have the Vince Carter last six years of his career where he just – he's able to fit in on a team and do a certain thing and just do it. But he just seems less reckless. He's way less quick than he was, but he's less reckless than he was. But I feel like Monte Ellis still has like six, five or six years left in his career that I didn't think oh, he would yeah. have. He's yeah. – I mean I never want him on our team, but – He's so good. He's only 31. He's still he just turned 31. So he's still he's probably got a couple more years of uh, probably got like two more years of this kind of bounce. But he still like crushes the Sixers all the yeah. time. Everything. No one. No. The Sixers have never had anyone that could stop Monte Ellis. And uh, I think nobody really does. You kind of just have to hope he takes a bad shot. But yeah. uh, he takes fewer three or at least and just the two games I've watched this year. It seems like he takes he's always been a bad three point shooter, but he shot him anyway. But it seems like he doesn't take as many three point shots anymore, or at least not when he's um, 
way open for them. So yeah, I, it seems like small guards, all small quick guards, always seem to kill the Sixers. It seems. Yeah. Like. Um, but you know, I was watching the game last night. Uh, I was at work and um, I caught the second half. And uh, when they, I think I think the Sixers were up like two with like a couple like two minutes left or something like that. And I'm like, they're gonna lose by six. Like it was one of those like total obvious they're gonna lose it. And then they had there was 25 seconds left. They were up four or five. They were up five. They were up. Um, they were up four with 25.2 left. I didn't watch it till this morning. I knew they won, but I didn't watch it till this morning. They're up four with 25.2 left. And that's when they foul Stauskas and he gets two foul shots. And it TJ. was uh, TJ. TJ rather. Yeah. And, uh, they all look the same. And, um, uh, it, it was funny to see them up for getting fouled with 25 seconds left and knowing that it went to overtime anyway was yes. like the most Sixers thing in yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that, and I wasn't, I didn't follow on Twitter, so I, I, I don't know if, if people were talking about this, but I don't know what Gerald Henderson was doing when he fouled. Yeah. Paul George. Uh, Paul George on yeah. the, it seemed like he was intentionally like reaching in, trying to foul as if he thought we had a foul to give. Yep. Yeah, and, that's the only and, thing I can imagine is that, yeah, that was, he was definitely trying to foul on purpose, or that's very, what it looked like. Very odd, but uh, and then the Monte take with when they were up when the six were up five, he, he got he took it to Embiid, elbowed him in the face, and laid it up and in and got fouled, and they called a foul, and that was like a very of course, yeah, why not? Yeah. Of course, that, yep, that's, that's exactly what would happen. But the fact that Embiid could come back in in overtime. And just and I think fouling Miles Turner out was was very big and uh, yeah he got he's getting some calls and yes. this he's getting some like this should not be a foul but he's Embiid and 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 they're like throwing him a bone fouls yeah it's he's, pretty impressive to see a, a guy you know what is it eleven games into his career no less eight games into his career uh, getting those foul calls. Yeah, he his his ability to get to the line and look, we we've, we've mentioned before his um the uh the percentage he's shooting at the line. He's got to be at like 80% still. It the amount he's getting to the line is keeping him um efficient, right? Because he's not shooting a great percentage. I think he's probably shooting 43 or 44%, but he's getting to the line so often and he's shooting so well from the line that it is you're right, he's getting those calls and even that the final one, I guess it was against Lavoie Allen, the and one that he had in um, in overtime. And we were talking before the year yeah. when, when he finally starts to use his size against defenders, which is what he he just beasted Lavoie Allen and getting that foul yeah. call. It's just he is going to be really something um, to try and yeah. guard. Is it he could well, make? Did you, did you listen to his? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, he could make the could could he be an all star? I mean, could he? Uh, looking at the Eastern Conference centers, right? I mean, is there a chance the only one is Dwight Howard? I mean, is there a chance that Joel Embiid could be an All Star? I mean, Drummond, I think. Right, probably. But, but if um, we're talking about votes, I, I'm thinking it's possible that Embiid could start. That could that'd be really funny. I don't know. I haven't thought yeah. about it. Maybe he's he's averaging like 19 and seven right now. That's those are all star numbers. Yeah. Um, I just I I don't and we can get to other stuff, but I I I still watch him and I don't know when I will not watch him and just wait for that foot to break. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know when I'll be able to watch him and just like be totally calm and, and expect his body to hold up because I, I it is a it is uh, prolonged panic every time he is going up for a rebound or going down for a chase down block or falls down when he has the ball. He falls down a lot. He did at Kansas also. He dude falls down too much. He's gotta not do that. It's killing me. Uh but but uh uh other than that he's I mean, he's really good. He's his his did you listen to his Woj podcast? With yeah, Oprah? yeah. Drew, a quick thing on the injury. First of all, he always looks like he's limping, even when he's not, which makes yeah, me nervous. Yeah. I'm so in tune with with how his body normally walks, and the slightest limp, I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. The slightest limp, I'm there for it. And then I, I actually thought this morning how much more now that we've seen him, and he's better, quicker than we thought he would be, and the whole universe. We're not the only ones that love him now, right? I mean, I was thinking yeah. it in the fourth quarter when he's shooting a free throw, and the whole Wells Fargo Center is chanting "Trust the process," and he's dominating. I thought to myself, "Wow, if." If it happened now, if the injury happened now, the broken foot again, it would hurt so – like I can't – I don't even know if I can express the hurt that it would feel now if if it happened now. Like I, yeah. I definitely can't even I, – I can't even think about handling it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did listen to the Woj podcast. I mean a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Very informative. Uh, just, to he- just to hear him talk for like an extended time about what it was like – to be off for that long, you know, because he, yeah. he's been away from the press. Like they haven't been able to like we haven't been able to hear from him too much, you know, the story um, about him going to Kansas and telling them that he had to kill a lion when he was yeah. six. That's awesome. really, really, really good. <laughs> um, but the uh, the stuff at the end, I think he was they're asking him, like, are you surprised? Woj asked him, like, are you surprised by how good you are right now? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, but he's not. And he, he said this and I've noticed I was thinking about it yesterday. He's not as athletic as he was when yeah. he was at Kansas. Yep. And uh and it's exciting to think that there's more in that tank of like once he gets his his bounce back and his quickness and his stamina, I think like you know, obviously we know there's something special there now, but it's the the idea that it could get so much better is is really pretty exciting. It's just um, starting. I mean, he's not even a good like when they double team him, he's a mess right now. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a bad passer. He is a, a like I think for all the times that he has a good feel for the game, he equally has a bad feel for the game. And I'm not saying that to insult him. I'm saying that he's even way. I, I feel like he's way better now than he was in game one. And it's only been eight games. His yeah. that he what what struck me was when Woj said or he said that he had only been playing and. I, I know this uh, intellectually, like I knew this already, but to hear somebody say he's only been playing basketball since 2011 and you yeah. realize it's only 2016, that obviously his his improvement goes at such a high rate. It is really unbelievable to think yeah. about what he – we're so lucky that we have we're him. Very, it's crazy. We're very lucky. But uh, So he's great. His, his usage rate is still 41.5%, which is hysterical. <laughs> it's insane. I love I love it very much. He's his defense is is really very I can't see his defense getting too much better. I mean he's really good on defense right now. Like he's he's just everywhere and he's 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 still finding where to be and stuff, but like just in terms of his block percentage is 8.1. Like he's affecting stuff. He's uh there were a couple times where Teague got him yesterday on floaters and he like pissed him off. And so it'll be interesting to see how how he uh changes his game and adapt to people who who can like sort of float it over him 
because he's sort of he's trying to cover both guys, him and the role man. Um, but we're very excited about that. Let's just really quickly go through some Sixers guys over the last week. Yeah, he, uh, he does get lost on the occasional pick and roll, but I guess yeah. that's the only um, – you know, especially when he he loves doubling the point guard yes. on the pick. Uh, the, he loves the pick, it. Yeah, but then, but he then, like it. he forgets that his other guy was even there sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, other guys. Ursan, I'm uh, on board. I'm so I'm so on board. He's he seems like he's really and I I've you know watched him when the Sixers played against him, but I I didn't focus on him too much over the course of his career. But he seems like really very a team player. And yeah, and he makes, works the ball around. He's pa- he passes better than I thought he would, and he cuts yeah. and he finds guys. And I, I, I think he's as much as he's like you know a turnstile on defense. I think he's perfect for what what this team is right now, and I'm glad that he's here for for the season. Yeah, he's been good. Zach Lowe, I think, said that that the thing that happens with him is that you get him. He does this, and then you realize that he disappears a lot. He hasn't, yeah. he hasn't done that so far here. And to your point about working it around, I mean, he had a pass in the fourth quarter um, off of, I think, I forget who hit the three in the corner. Maybe it was Sergio. I think it was a... It was TJ. A, 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 was it, was it T, you're right, because it was a Sergio a drive. Commercial, yeah. Right. It was a Sergio drive to Ilyasova, but then he made a very smart obvious but but good pass to tj yeah. in the corner i think the the fact that it seems like there's the shooting on the sixers has gotten incredibly uh, a, a lot better over the past few games uh covington's starting to hit shots a little bit more yeah. um well his the the first game against the pacers he was very good yeah yeah stauskas is hitting fucking shots yeah. my man how about that i'm uh hollis is playing out of his mind there's, I mean, there's good stuff. I mean, Gerald Henderson is going to be bland all season, except when he dunks, and, and he's fine. He's fine. Uh, but guys that can, like, if you're spreading the floor, playing Joel inside, and having guys cut and and just try to find each other, the idea of of the Sixers causing people to have to scramble on defense and uh, run out and contest shots, and they can keep kicking it around until they find the open look, is so foreign from what. I've ever seen on the Sixers. There's never been a time where they're like, there's guys standing around the perimeter just like, who can shoot? Who are working the ball around to find the best look? That's never happened. And it was, I saw it a bunch of times last night. It's, it's, uh, some things are happening, and that's because Embiid is drawing so much attention from people. Well, and think about when Bayless comes back. I think that'll yeah. be a, a big boost to that. Now, if we're being fair, the Pacers, I think, are 30th in the NBA in defensive efficiency, and I don't, I don't think but they, they have some decent defenders. Like Thad's not a bad defender, and yeah. uh, Miles Turner is, is definitely good. Paul George is good. They don't have any guards that can defend because they traded George Hill for whatever reason. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean it's exciting to watch to watch some some decent ball movement. Dario obviously not getting a ton of. Uh, I mean he has he's got he's got a couple plays where you're like there he is like he's he makes some like tough step backs which is interesting. He's great uh, on the break too. He's very confident running the break. I think that's yes. the best time he's. It's confident. Is he? He doesn't seem like he makes any wrong decisions when he's leading a fast break. Yeah. And he's just and he's just so solid everywhere. Like he's, he's like he's shooting his his shot. What's he shooting from deep right now? He's shooting. Uh, he's nine of nineteen from three. So like wow. he's hitting shots. He's, just, he's he's mixing it up. He's. I think he's uh, having trouble adjusting to how long NBA defenders are, and when he goes inside and like sort of like getting the ball stripped and stuff. But he's hustling that play last night. Uh, that ended in 
uh, Embiid getting fouled when Dario went to the ground and then like yeah. Covington grabbed the ball. Like that's the kind of stuff. Dario's just like getting in there, getting ugly. Like it's it's exciting. And he's 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 rebounding in a nice clip. He's passing the ball. It's I love him. But all I want to talk about is how good Rashawn Holmes's defensive rebounding has become. Wait, hold and, on. Wait, 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 wait. Sergio Rodriguez cannot shoot. <laughs> he can't shoot. I but think... he, he hits a couple crazy shots. Yeah, I've, but he doesn't. When hit... I watch, he's making shots, and <laughs> I, then I look and see that he's not shooting, making other shots. But when I'm watching the game, he's he's hitting shots. I have I have a sneak. So I like Sergio. I have a sneaky bad feeling. I have a sneaky ish Smith feeling about him in that he he dr- he gets to the rim right. But he never finishes and he can't shoot. So he's always looking to draw the defense in and and throw some nice pass. But I think – you remember the last two years we had Ish Smith and the first like 10 games, everyone falls for that. And then everyone's like, yeah. wait a minute. You're driving in there, but you're not going to do anything. I, yeah. I'm waiting but for he that. Does, he does shoot more than that. There's a, yeah. He had a couple a nice bucket last night where they like they sagged off him and he hit like sort of like a fading like six-footer or something. Hmm. Okay. I, I like. I'm in. When he when I'm watching, he's making shots. I but like Rashawn. Yeah. Seriously, Rashawn was a horrible defensive rebounder last year, and that has in that has done a, a complete 180. Do you know what his rate is? I, I don't know the number. Twenty twenty six point nine. Wow. Better than Embiid. Yeah. He's in the team, and he's getting offensive rebounds. I honestly, you don't want to talk about Jaleel. I don't want to talk about Jaleel. But for the love of God, trade him anywhere because Rashawn is legitimate and. Exactly the kind of second unit center you want, and if the jump shot continues to come along slowly, he's hitting shot. He can hit that like sort of eighteen footer. He still struggles like longer, um, at longer range. But uh, I I want Rashawn to have regular backup minutes. I want him to get fifteen twenty minutes a game, and it upsets me when they have to like bench him because Julio comes in so he can dominate the ball on offense and stumble around. Yeah, and not to sound like a broken record, and I won't say it over, but it, I just think about what would happen if the minutes that Okafor was getting were going to a different center that the Sixers used to have. Um, yeah, that is, you know, that might help out a little bit. You know, who who these things that Rashawn is doing, uh, he except for the jumper, he also does too. So um, whatever. Uh, yeah. You know. And uh, all right, well. There's some good stuff going on. Hopefully, six. I mean, they 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 earned, they deserved a couple more wins than, than they've gotten. And so now that they have one, hopefully they can close out a couple games and, not be quite so, embarrassing. Okay, so I want to talk about Ella Pavorsky real quick, and then I want to throw a couple of small things at you, and then we'll take some Twitter questions and get out of here. All right. Yeah. All right. So. Here's the thing about Ella Pavorsky. Ella Pavorsky Jewelers, of course, the official sponsor of the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. It's that time, Mike. Ask me what time it is. Ask me what time it is. Did you just check out? Are you there? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I wanted. I was. I was trying to do a back and forth here, real quick. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Let's, let's hear. It. Let's hear it. So okay. So I'll. You know. But I'm going to leave this in anyway. So Mike, it's Perfect. that time, and you go. What time is it? It's that time. What time is it? It's time for the 2016 LL Pavorsky holiday jingle and mingle party and sale. Oh my wow. god! First of all, I'll get to the holiday party in a minute. The sale goes on Friday, December second to Sunday, December fourth, 
an extra 20% off all fine jewelry in stock. No special orders, but if it's in the store, 20% off. Now it's time for the L.L. Pavorsky Holiday Party. Saturday night, December 3rd from 5 to 9 p.m., there will be raffles to benefit Paws. Uh, the uh, in case you're you don't know, Paws is that uh, animal uh, charity, the uh, the shelter in Philadelphia. Um, an amazing grand prize. It was going to be one thing, but it's changing. But I'll know the amazing grand prize in a little bit. There will be mini cheesesteaks. There will be pavertinis, which is the special uh, Lee Pavorsky drink. This is all, of course, compliments of Lee Pavorsky. Uh, all you have to do, I will be there. Um, my wife doesn't know yet, but she'll be there too. I haven't told her the date, but she would love to go, I'm sure, I hope. Jake Pavorsky will be there, all dressed up in a suit, as he always is. Um, the only thing you need to do is RSVP to Lee. So send him an, e- an email, lee at llpavorsky.com, or just call the store, 215-627-2252, the uh, LL Pavorsky holiday party. I'm pretty fired up. Love the mini cheesesteaks. Eat way too many of them. Dress up. Opportunity to dress up nice. I remember last year I walked in there and there were two guys in the corner wearing T-shirts. And I immediately knew that a couple of our listeners had showed up to the, the holiday party. So, oh, they'll be there. Yep. So Ella Poversky Jewelers, um, 707 Walnut, 215-627-2252. Um, and uh, com. And as always, Ella Poversky makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and Rain for every podcast. Ella Poversky Jewelers. Uh, I forgot to do one. Oh, come on. Wow. Sorry. That's all right. Um, quick, Too sad. Quick thing. Somebody pointed out to me uh, on Twitter, but then I, when I was watching the game this morning, but then I noticed, and you didn't see it until the end of the game. It might have been an overtime, but Brian Colangelo turns around and has a very uh, noticeable bald spot um, right in the middle, the back of his head. And I just That's would, have, incredible. I would have never imagined because he has such nice hair and he's so well-dressed and uh, it was a real shocker for me to see it there. I will say I so I saw him. He was standing next to I think next to Preston, and uh, at one point it was when TJ was at the line. I saw him like mouth to himself or talk to himself, uh, go "Come on, Teach," and it made me like him a little bit more. Yeah, like him him rooting for TJ and being like, "Come on," like like being invested. Obviously, he's invested because he he is this whole new culture change, and them going O for the season is not exactly great for his brand, but. Uh, uh, that that did that did warm my heart a little bit. Him him just whispering to himself, "Come on, Teach," was, was I think kind of cute. Uh, T.J. McConnell, um, boy, uh, he doesn't seem that good. <laughs> I disagree. Yeah. I totally disagree. Yeah, people are people are so ready to write off T.J. Um, and he's just like a very fine backup point guard. Hmm. Like that's that's all he is. He's a fine backup point guard. He finds guys. He pushes the pace. Uh, he hit his first three last night. Um, he's fine. He's he's a backup point guard. He's he's better on defense than Sergio, so they can bring him in. They can do offense defense switches. Uh, he picks guys up full court, which is obnoxious and funny. It's the best. I love him. Uh, can I give you some questions from Twitter because I asked for them? 
Let's do it. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Ben Dobkin. We got an email to the Right to Ricky Sanchez email account. Um, his girlfriend uh, emailed us and said that uh, Julie, I think is yes, Julie is her name. She said that he's amazing and he uh, trusts the fucking process. And she thanked us for making dreams come true. Um, and uh, I want to say happy birthday, Ben. His birthday is the 15th. I don't know how old he is, but happy birthday, Ben. Thanks for trusting the process. Um, all right. Here we go. Questions. Uh, do you? This is from James. Do you? There's a lot of them, so let's try to go fast. Do you? Th- I'll just let you answer. Do you think Luawu will stay at the end of the bench instead of going to the sevens until Bayless Noel Simmons comes back? Um, interesting question. I think, I think he'll probably just go to Delaware. Yeah, that'd be my guess. I think I think he'll probably just go to Delaware. They have eleven. They're eleven deep without him. Um, so I would say that, that they'll probably just send him to Delaware, yeah. A bunch of people have asked me about a Clay Thompson trade, including Nerlens Noel. I can't imagine it would ever happen. No, but not going to happen. Would you give up Nerlens, the Lakers pick, and the Sixers pick next year for Clay Thompson? No. You wouldn't? Lakers pick, Lakers pick and Sixers pick this year? Yeah. And Nerlens? Yeah. No. Hmm. I would, I think. Let hmm. me see what Clay's contract's looking like. I I don't think so. I mean, he gets twenty some million, but it's he's worth it, I think. I mean, what are the odds that either that, that pick ends up better than Clay Thompson, right? He's got three years. I mean I guess. I mean if he's so we wouldn't have yeah, I can't. Yeah, I mean, it'd be. I wouldn't be like super pumped about it. Um, but I, I guess I'd do it. But they're not going to do it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> explain. We don't have an answer for this. Explain how and when Bayless got injured. <laughs> I have no idea. So I mean, you know, he got a wrist thing. I don't know. Uh, this is from Joe. Why did TJ and Sauce do that white guy handoff a step pass at the top of the logo every possession? Um, uh, they do. <laughs> they, they do it with everybody. They do it. Everybody. The Sixers have always, with Brett, loved having a center with the ball at the top of the key. Yeah. Whether it's Okafor or Rashawn or anybody, they always, they always. Maybe it's to like draw the rim protector out, but it's it's always the case, and not always with guys they can shoot it from out there. So it's always kind of. It seems like this is just the way they start their offense. But. From Garrett, after the Sixers play Houston on Monday, they have a back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday with Washington and Minnesota. Should Embiid play the TNT game versus Towns? Yes, I think so. Uh, what, was the, what was the other game? The Washington. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely want him to play against Towns. Come on. Uh, from Rodney, will Bayless be a suitable stopgap point guard or should we trade for one still? I would, If Bayless ever comes back, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, between him and Sergio, I think this year, and then if Simmons comes back this year, it's fine. If next year or whatever, it's totally fine. They're going to draft a point guard in the in the top 10 next year, so it'll be, it'll be good. From J-Rob, did Mike and his girlfriend ever select an entryway table? We did. Oh, you That's did? a great question. <laughs> She's standing next to the entryway table right now, and it's very good. Thank you, J-Rob, for asking. Uh, from Z Dev with Embiid, Sam, and Sarge at core, what draft pop prospect fits best with this team? Jackson, Fultz, someone else. 
Uh, Fultz so far, but you know it's so early that you got to see how they adapt to the college game and how they how they perform. But Fultz is really really good, and I like Frank Jackson a lot too. Uh, from from Mortimer Duke. I don't think that's actually who it is. Forget the offense. Does Sauce look better on D, or is his improved offense clouding my judgment? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I think I think uh, his improved the offense is probably clouding your judgment. He's still. I mean, he just looks more confident. And I I never. I'm a guy that just says like confidence. I'm I'm never. That's that seems like always just like a color man talking point. Um. But he, he to me, really does look like he is so much more comfortable being here. You got to remember, I mean, he's, he hasn't been, it seems like he's been in the league for a long time, but this is only, his, this is his third year, right? Yeah, it's his third yeah, year. Yeah. He, played, he played bullshit Sacramento for a year, got traded here, uh, like, in the, like, sort of late in the offseason, and, uh, and struggled last year, uh, admittedly, but having some element of consistency, um, is good, I think, and he looks better because of it. And he's he's taking the ball to the basket. It he it seems like he he's making better passes than the numbers actually say he is. But uh, he he just looks like he's like a member of the team rather than kind of like the fifth guy that they let play. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, he he looks like um, yes, he he looks, but he looks nervously confident. There's something like. <laughs> There's, maybe I'm just projecting, but it seems like when he makes when he gets to the rim and makes a nice layup that he seems like he can't believe that it happened. Um, <laughs> well, and he, he's still getting used to it, I think, maybe. And and he always looks exhausted. Somebody pointed this out that he he always looks exhausted, like he always looks not in terms of his cardiovascular, but that he didn't sleep very much. I think <laughs> it's a combination of sort of having sleepy eyes and that half beard makes him look like he's always like sort of on a bender or something. All right. I like this question uh, from Humke at Humke. I know it doesn't address the big man glut, but would you swap Okafor for Willie Cauley Stein? Uh, if assuming we didn't have Nerlens, um, I don't know. I haven't really watched much Willie Cauley Stein as a pro. I've seen people not be happy about him, but uh, if we had Nerlens, the answer is no. If we didn't, I just don't think we need another big man. I yeah. think Rashawn is Rashawn is good and versatile and all that stuff. I, I, do I who I think is going to be the better professional basketball player? I think probably still Jaleel, just in terms of who will impact the mm. game more. Um, I, I in a, in terms of an ideal world where there's a blank slate behind Embiid, uh, I would say Kali Sign is the is the type of player I'd rather have. Yeah, I, I like him. I like him. Um, but again, I haven't watched him. Very much, you know. I know yeah. what he is, so uh, I'm excited for my job, Dan, so I can start watching every league pass game. Yes, me too. Um, uh, I miss those days. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to skip ones to where we didn't address the topic at all. Uh, this is from Matt Sweeney. Who would win a game of two on two, Spike and Mike, or Derek and Hoffman? Well, my, uh, we would win. Yeah, my problem is that I I cannot. <laughs> I am so frail physically that i can't bang at all like it would have to be a lot of you and me sitting in the corner uh yes i can shoot all right great we're perfect we'll win any any day Derek and rich want to play we're that we're there we're in yep from mccool does spike eskin have any last minute wedding tips for me today as i listen while i get ready oh congratulations mccool congratulations mccool you're listening on wedding day i would tell you 
enjoy the shit out of it and smile all you can. Um, there will be uh, some some moments where there's panic and somebody's not where they're supposed to be. And um, but really, it's an awesome day. And don't forget to to smile and and soak it all in. It does go quickly. Everybody says and, that, but uh, it's true. And sorry about uh, having married the week of the election. That's got to be rough. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It is your day. And, well, it's actually not your day. It's your wife's day. So let her um, let her enjoy it. Um, let's see. Another Golden State. Oh, the guy says uh, the the two on two should be a battle of podcasts for charity, and then we should do a simulcast podcast. Well, if Derek and Rich ever start up a podcast, we will definitely do that. Um, yeah, that sounds nice. Yep. Maybe it'd be good. Uh, well, this is from, uh, Fred, will Queen Nikki live meek for Jojo sometime during the season? Uh, yes. Uh, I think yes. I'm, I'm interested to see who Joel dates. That would be yeah. really funny. Yeah, that'll be a huge story. Oh my God. Uh, what coach is responsible for working with Ja and his deep, you know what? I'm sick of the Okafor thing. I just get yelled at for it. We're going to skip that. Uh, any chance that the t- this is from Mike? Uh, we'll do three more. Any chance that the team has asked Noel to play up his discontent in the media in order to help their leverage in trading Ja? No, but it's an no. awesome conspiracy. No, I like your conspiracy, but no. Uh, from Brandon, if Embiid had never played a game, would drafting him have been worth it for pure entertainment factor? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> if. If if you drafted him knowing he wasn't going to play a game, then no. But if you drafted him and his knowing the upside and knowing the odds were like seventy percent that he would have a success, a long career if you waited long enough, and it didn't work out, then yes, obviously that's the that's the process over results uh, pinnacle right there. Okay, I'm gonna do two more questions because these are both good. From Jay Blevins, legit question: What's this team's record if Simmons was healthy? Hmm. I don't know. Um, Two wins, three, three wins. Yeah. Three and five, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say three. And finally, from Selly, would either of you trade Joel Embiid straight up for LeBron James at this very moment? Oh man. Um. Yes, I would. Yes, I you would do to. that. You immediately you become to. the favorite. I, the I have to. S- yeah, I have to say yes because I'm just imagining all of the shit that we'd get if we said no. Well, but it would be it'd become I mean, you know, we have to say stay relatively grounded. Okay. In, so then no, <laughs> I would not make that trade. <laughs> well, we got a lot of shit when we did the who would you trade Embiid for podcast before he had ever played and we yeah. said no to Wiggins and no, like there was a lot of no's, you know. I so wonder, I wonder if we went back and and uh looked at what 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 we said then if we change our answers for now. I don't know if we would or not. No, I I don't think I would. I don't think I would have traded him for anybody. All right, uh, quick jigsaw, then we get out of here. Yeah. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? All right, I'm pretty proud of this one. I felt like I had a good one last week, and I feel like this one is pretty good too. For the rest of your life, every joke you hear, um, even just sort of an offhand joke from a coworker, is the funniest thing you've ever heard. Like, just hysterically funny. Or, for the rest of your life, no joke you ever hear is ever funny again. I, I have to go with the second one. 
I work in comedy. I mean, that's what I do every day. If I if every joke was funny, I'd die. It'd be awful. You'd be such be a dickhead work. too. Like, I mean, it'd just be it'd be just like it would it would disrupt the room. It would be yeah. I'd I mean I'd rather not. I'd rather be like yeah, that's funny. And like I I already kind of do that. See things as like objective because if yeah. you do it every day, that's the that's the game. It has been very difficult to uh, try to pitch jokes this week with again the election but uh but no i think i think this is a pretty pretty obvious one based on my job i would say definitely no jokes are funny and well but then would you be a good comedy writer yeah you still you still approach things from like a clinical yeah perspective just wouldn't be i mean part of not a yeah that's kind of how that's kind of how it is anyway you'd be like the nickelback of jokes like you just have a formula you'd have to you know, no feeling, just formula. <laughs> Not quite, but sure. Well, right? I mean, like, but if you don't think it well... No, there is there is that now. There is that now. It's like, you know, it's, it is a... It, it is a formula, kind of. No matter right. yeah. already. And uh, <laughs> everybody's not Nickelback. No, no, no. I'm saying that they... I'm saying that, like, um, that you... Because you wouldn't find it funny anymore, you would just be doing it clinically almost the same way that they write songs like i i don't a lot of a lot of uh comedy guys do that already yeah so it's not that far off from from what it is um all uh, right sixers Hawks tonight. The, sixers get a win two in a row I just think. just the last thing they should well mb's not gonna play right uh no he's not yeah uh, probably not gonna lose uh just the last thing uh i don't know if you said this or not but at, seeing as our podcast donates uh ll Dvorsky donates on behalf of our podcast to uh, Rain, which is uh, supports survivors of sexual assault and sexual violence. Um, we urge you to contribute to them and and organizations like them, and uh, try not to minimize um, the impact of if people have accused him of a number of things. And if if since I I likely believe that that's the case. Having him as the most powerful person in the world is uh, uh, the pain of that and the anguish in, in terms of other survivors of sexual assault. Um, I would urge you to just listen to people and and hear their stories and try to empathize with their positions and uh, and uh, donate if you if you care about that. And I would tell you too that most charities, uh, in addition to Rain, which is a great one, uh, appreciate your involvement more than you could ever know. Like um, donations are great, and volunteering is amazing. Um, but like the people who do that full time really appreciate the people who come in and do it once in a while. Like they, their whole, you know, they're most of those who are doing fundraising and helping, like are basically begging people at all times to do that. So anyone who does it, I think, is um, you're appreciated more than you would know. I would, uh, I would, I would say when when you do things like that. So um, you will, it will be a small time or a, a small bit of money for you, but it, it will, the effect of it will be much larger. You know, it's sort of a butterfly effect of uh, of uh, of help. I think. And just to speak out, uh, if your friends or your family, people you know, uh, say awful shit about women, and just. That's not cool. It's it might have been cool in like 1996, but it's 2016 and it's cool to be nice to people. So if people are saying awful shit about whatever, uh, 
tell, stand up and tell them and say that it's not okay because it's not. And if you're standing, stand even taller. Jump and say Stand taller. Yeah. Jump and say all right. Uh, this has been the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 19 of them so far. 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, Lickface, sorry about all the political takes. <laughs>